Hi, friends and colleagues. It's Nikki from Full Voice Music. Today on the podcast, episode 86, my special guest is vocologist Dr. Heather Nelson. Now, today we are talking all about the field of vocology, which is a relatively new field in our industry. Heather is sharing her educational background and why she was inspired to go into this exciting field. She also has a very fun and challenging vocal warm-up that you're going to want to take into your teaching studios. A really great conversation here on the Full Voice Podcast. Welcome to the Full Voice Podcast, teaching strategies and resources for voice teachers working with young singers. Now here's your host, Nikki Loney. Welcome to the Full Voice Podcast, Dr. Heather Nelson. How are you today? I am so well. I'm so excited to be here. Uh, I'm I'm excited that you're here. I have many questions for you. So, uh, Heather, you are a vocologist, and yes. uh, uh, congratulations! You're the first of hopefully many vocologists that have visited the Full Voice Podcast. But um, yeah. I'm re- I'm really excited <laughs> to talk to you today because this is a relatively new field in our industry, mm-hmm. and I think lots of people have questions about um, what is a vocologist, what are your responsibilities, what's a typical day for a vocologist. Oh. So um, can we just start, well, first of all, I'd like everybody to get to know you. So can we just start with a little bit of your background? Yeah, absolutely. So I live in Springfield, Missouri, which um, many people in the U.S. know or have heard of Branson, Missouri. It's kind of a um, a touristy destination. So I grew up in a very musical area of the country in southwest Missouri. Um, but I grew up in a very, very small town. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't even have a voice teacher in my town. So the very first voice lesson I took was as a freshman in college. Wow. Um, yeah, so I did have choir, but I didn't even I couldn't even fit choir into my schedule in high school for a couple of years just because of the way things, you know, I mean, I literally had like 30 people in my graduating class. Wow. <laughs> so very, very small, you know, not a lot of opportunities for music, but I was just, I, I loved music. I did have piano lessons and that was very helpful. And I played flute in the band. So I wasn't, you know, a complete newbie when I got to college, <laughs> but I was a bit of a late bloomer, I, I would say. Um, and I would have loved to have had someone like you in my town <laughs> to, um, to have just started me off because I love to sing. I thought I was kind of good at singing, although, you know, you don't, you don't know, you know, you're a kid, you just sing anyway. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but, you know, I got to college and got a degree in music business because I loved the business side of things. And then um, a couple years later, went back and got a master's in performance. And then a couple years later, again, got a master's in pedagogy. I just loved, loved the process of learning. And I fell in love with teaching during that time too. Wow. And so um, then I decided that I, I wanted to, to, do the whole thing right. And so I, I got a terminal degree, a PhD in vocal pedagogy at the University of Kansas and graduated with that uh, almost three years ago. Wow. Congratulations. Thank you. So so come, when you uh, started college, you just, you just took off from there and just do- dove right in. I did. And it was so much fun and it was so hard. And I just, I, I loved it. <laughs> you know, and um, one of the, um, the, the advantages I really, really had, I think my piano lessons, you know, kind of saved my bacon when I got to like mm-hmm. all the theory work and all of that stuff. So that was incredible. And I'm, it was incredibly helpful. 
And I'm, I'm a big proponent of teaching theory and lessons um, still because that really, really prepared me um, as much as I could be prepared. But man, being a music major in college was so fun. And it was so <laughs> unusual, too, because, you know, I come from a blue collar family. Both of my parents, you know, neither of my parents uh, were college educated. They worked a uh, factory and, and um, you know, uh, my mom worked a factory job for 40 years. My dad... Um, owned our family business, which was limestone quarries. And, um, you know, so, I mean, I, I'm kind of like, I came out of nowhere, (laughs) you know, know, as far as my family's concerned. (laughs) So that, that is, that so many things that right there that you just said, so inspiring. Um, because I think a lot of people think that you have to be singing forever to, Uh to have that background to continue. But uh, again, hard work and dedication and desire, Uh if it's there, you can be so successful. Yeah. Yeah. I can't imagine doing anything else. I love, I love those stories. And I, I love it when my guests can share their background. Now, for people who might be unfamiliar with the term vocologist, can we start there uh-huh. and just dive yeah. into a little bit of that? Because it is a new field. And I know personally up here in Canada, we do not have any programs for that. Uh-huh. So can you just kind of let everybody know a little bit about the, the background of vocology? Sure. Um, like you said, it is kind of a relatively new term that's kind of making the rounds around uh, the voice world. Um, another term that is kind of synonymous is singing voice specialist. Yes. And a lot of singing voice specialists are speech language pathologists that have had some sort of a background in singing, you know, either, um, you know, that sometimes they have music degrees or they have just sung a lot. Um, I'm a little unusual in that I am primarily a singer, but during my doctoral program about, well, a good chunk of my, um, my coursework was in the speech language department. And so Mm -hmm. I was taking all of the same graduate courses that the speech language pathologists were taking. Um, I did a a year-long practicum with a laryngologist in Kansas City, and so I was in the clinic, you know, kind of watching all the things and and um, uh, you know giving advice to uh, to clients and you know working along with them and um, and so my training is such that I am a singer, but I have done a lot of extra work in the anatomy, physiology, and the neuroanatomy and physiology of the voice, both the speaking voice and the singing voice, and so I did a lot of work in training with like you know, what goes wrong with voices and how do we, how do we tackle those things? You know, Mm -hmm. all the lumps, bumps and and things that can kind of come up on the vocal folds and, and stuff like that. And so how do we take, you know, those, I don't like the term disorders, but that's kind of what it is, (laughs) you know, you know, take those disorders and, and help to, to turn them around so that singers can feel confident and functional again. So do vocologists work uh, like partner with the medical team? When ideally, yes, when so, so say someone needs requires medical intervention and then a vocologist would work with that, it, like in rehabilitation. Yes, exactly. And so um, uh, I am a part of a medical team. Okay. Uh, you know, I'm not always in the clinic, but um, I when I get referrals from from the clinics and, and such, you know, uh, very often, you know, the, the clients will come in and they'll bring their medical records, you know, and, wow. and so we can, I can look at their scopes and, and look at their records and things like that. I can sometimes, um, because speech pathologists 
they have to cover a wide range of things. I mean, mm-hmm. they, they also specialize in things, but they have to work with, with stroke, um, swallowing, all of that stuff. I'm someone that can kind of step in and fill a gap when uh, most SLPs wouldn't have time to work long term with a singing client. Oh, um, yes. You know, and insurance, insurance may only cover a couple of sessions. I am not covered by insurance. I'm hoping that that'll be something that will change in the industry mm-hmm. in the next few years. But, um, you know, if, if, a, if an SLP does not have time to be able to work long term with the speech or with a singing client, I can fill that gap and can really work longer term with someone who, need, who really needs the help. I think that is so necessary. I love that. Yes. I yeah. learned that the hard way. Um, with one of my students, um, I did not understand how broad the speech language pathology uh, responsibilities uh-huh. were. And when I had a singer that was really struggling with her voice, uh, the first speech pathologist that uh, I sent her to, which lovely, lovely woman and very helpful, but there were certain things about the singing voice that she didn't really address. And uh-huh. um, and this was about 10 years ago. So, um I now know better, <laughs> but yeah. which, and that's one of the reasons why I'm so glad that you're here. Now, can I ask what a typical day is like for you? And maybe oh, there is yeah. no such thing as a typical day, but a sample of your day. Sure. Um, I am newly established back in Springfield um, in, in my hometown. So I'm still in the process of building my studio here. So my days here look very different than they did. Oh, very <laughs> but like, good. Say, say, yeah, say, for instance, when I was, um, when I was doing this uh, in Kansas City full time, um, I would spend a day usually in, in the clinic um, and, uh, you know, just kind of follow the doc around. And, and you know, I, I went in with voice, with voice clients and with swallowing clients, so I was, I was watching everything. Wow. Um, but uh, I would usually have uh, several, several hours of teaching in the evenings, mm-hmm. and about uh, half of my clients were referrals from the voice clinic. And with those, I'm, I'm listening for a different set of, of criteria. I'm listening for different things when I'm, uh, than, than if I were listening to someone who just wanted to, to improve their skills, you know, as a singer. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, some of these clients, you know, have active pathologies, like they've got a node they are, or they are recovering from a hemorrhage or something. Those lessons are, are, are such that I'm not always hearing good singing, you know. Of course, or, or, of course. And so I'm working really, really hard to create a very safe space that people can make all kinds of weird noises come out of their mouths and, and they still feel safe because that's just part of the process. It's not only, you know, just rehabbing the thing, but it's feeling like you're still going to be okay in the middle of all of that because mm. it can be really, really devastating and very difficult for people when they, they lose a part of themselves for a while. Oh, absolutely. I am so glad that you brought that up. Uh, I'm, I'm sure that many of my listeners and myself included, we've had, we've worked with a student that has struggled with, uh, um, a disorder or pathology. And, um, for someone Mm -hmm. like myself, who's not a vocologist, how, how could we partner with, say, someone like you? How could voice teachers who recognize that there's something outside of their scope, out of, outside of their understanding of the voice, how, could, how would you recommend that we communicate with, with a singing specialist? 
Yeah, that's so great. And that's one of my favorite things to do is to to work with other other teachers, just to be a part of the team. Because, um, you know, they say it, t- it takes a village. <laughs> and we don't have to we don't have to know everything. And we there's there's so much to know that we can't know everything. Um, and so the way that I, I would personally do it and this, you know, this is just my process. Other people may have different processes, but what I would love to do if, um, is if a teacher were to contact me, um, via email or whatever and say, okay, I've got this little issue. Um, uh, and I'm not sure quite, quite what to do with it. You know, we'd probably would just get on the phone and talk to one another, um, first. And then if, uh, if they're local, then I would go to them and maybe sit in on a lesson and just observe once. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, or if, if they're not local, you know, we could jump on online and I could observe, um, a lesson that gives me a lot of information, Mm -hmm. um, just to kind of watch and be a fly on the wall for a little bit. And then the teacher and I would talk again and it's like, okay, these are the things that I'm seeing that I'm hearing. And these, this is what I would suggest. And then we could do a couple of different things. We could, um, uh, some of my clients have come and just worked with me um, exclusively for a few weeks or months, mm-hmm. and you know until we kind of get over whatever hump that is, and then they go back to the regular voice teacher. Mm-hmm. Or sometimes uh, the regular voice teacher and I will work in tandem. Maybe they'll come to me one week and go to the regular um, lesson the next week, and we bounce back and forth. Or um, if schedules permit, sometimes we just flat we just team teach, and we're both in the room, you know, yeah. at the same time. I love that. So there's lots of yeah, there's lots of different ways that we can collaborate. Um, I do want to be very clear that it is not my goal to ever poach a student (laughs) from another teacher. I want to be a part of the team. And um, many, many of my clients um, have just come to me temporarily. Most of my clients are temporary, actually. Mm -hmm. And um, if they stay on with me long term, it's it's usually because they didn't have another voice teacher um, previously. I really appreciate you bringing that uh, into the light. Um, so many teachers may be afraid to reach out because they're worried about losing uh-huh. their student and then losing the uh-huh. income from that student. But uh, right. I think it's I'm so glad that you clarified that because I I think most teachers are above board like they're they're transparent. Yeah. We, we don't want, I don't want to poach anyone from anyone. Um, mm-hmm. And I love that, that we have this, this community now that we can support each other. Now, if you see, like, if you hear a voice and you recognize that there may be some disorder pathology, mm-hmm. how do you go about explaining that to a student? Great question. Um, without actually, you know, having a scope from a laryngologist, and we can talk about the difference between an ENT and a laryngologist too. That's kind of important. Yes, please. Um, well, I'll just do that right now. Then, um, you know, ear, nose, and throat specialists. Um, those are three different and very complex systems under one umbrella. Mm. You know, the ear is a huge um, system. The nose is a different thing. And then the voice. And so um, even though ENTs study all of that, most of them have a specialization in one one uh, of those areas and not all three. And so a laryngologist, um, particularly those that are fellowship trained, 
are those that are specifically trained in the voice. And so if I have a client or someone that has a question, I, I am very, very um, careful to tell them that they need to seek out a laryngologist. Okay. And that may mean going to a major city that has a voice center. Mm. You know, they're not they're not all over the place. Right. Um, even here, you know, in this area where where we have, you know, all kinds of professional performers all over the place that, you know, we don't have a laryngologist here in town. It's wow. crazy. <laughs> not yet. Anyway, that will probably change. But um, so just, you know, asking a lot of questions and not being afraid to get a second opinion because mm. um, your voice is so important. And so it's worth it to take the time to get a really, you know, good and clear um, uh, look at what's happening with the voice. But if we don't have that, if we, you know, if uh, for whatever reason, you know, um, cost or distance or whatever prohibits that, you know, we are making some some guesses about the voice. We're listening, we're watching, you know, we're making good educated guesses, but it is still just a guess. Mm -hmm. And so we'll, we'll tackle a lot of things. We'll look at a lot of technique. We'll look at body alignment, breath, um, you know, good, healthy onsets, um, you know, habits, you know, what are you eating, drinking, sleeping, all of that stuff, you know, because that all contributes to vocal health too, you know, and then we just, um, we just get back to the basics. We go to like really good, healthy technique, you know, and we try to identify the sticky points that are, are not working as well mm -hmm. and seeing if that, you know, if that could be causing some of the issues mm -hmm. and um, just trying to re rework through them. And so I ask the client a lot of questions. What are they feeling? What are they experiencing? What are they hearing inside their heads um, to try to try to get to the root of it? I uh, like all of that is such great advice. Now, I have a, I have a question kind of more geared towards mm -hmm. younger singers. So mm -hmm. it's very it's a very delicate subject. And I, it's it's come up time and time again in my teaching studio where you get a young singer and mm -hmm. you hear something with their voice and you're like, I really would like this to get checked out. Um, uh -huh. And, but is it different for children? Like, I, I mean, I don't know how successful a rigid scope would be for a child. Uh -huh. um, what are your recommendations for perhaps younger singers? Oh, good question. Um, younger singers, um, there frankly aren't as many laryngologists that that specialize in the child voice but you know if if you do get into a, a laryngologist they should be able to kind of at least check that there's no lumps or bumps or anything like that mm -hmm. and um, can check function right. um for young kids because the system is still growing it's very pliable you know and and let's let's face it kids can get away with a lot more than adults can sometimes <laughs> <laughs> you know? um but um uh you know if they are uh if there's something that's really serious going on, um, I, I think that there's no harm in asking that, you know, at least making the suggestion that they get it checked out because it, it may not be even a matter of vocal function. There could be reflux, there could be allergies that are causing some, mm -hmm. some issues. And so the vocal troubles could be secondary to, to right. the primary problem. Mm -hmm. And, you know, reflux in children is, is fairly common. Um, and, but it can have some really devastating, um, vocal effects just because, I mean, you're literally getting like stomach acid in your throat that vocal folds are not happy about that. Would it, would children be experiencing silent reflux because like you would mm -hmm. think that they would complain about pain? Yes, it's very possible. Okay. And some, 
you know, just like adults, some kiddos have uh, have issues with uh, muscle tone at the end of their esophagus, mm. um, and so that can that can lead to um, uh, you know re- um, reflux in the system. You know, also. I don't, I don't know about Canadians, but Americans, we have terrible diets, <laughs> you know, and, you know, it's all, it can be food related and, and all of that stuff. Um, you know, and even allergies, you know, for those that have mm. severe allergies, um, that particular kind of mucus, it's sorry if that's gross, but, um, <laughs> that is made with allergies can be very, very, um, uh, it can be very acidic and, and irritating on its own. And so, um, I think it's important to really kind of get at what the root of the problem is. If it's a vocal issue, we can tackle it with technique. If it's a reflex issue, then, you know, that's a medical thing. Um, if it's allergies, you know, that's also a medical thing. So, you know, w- while we're trying to figure out what's just going on, we've, you know, it's one thing to tack a Band-Aid on, on the symptoms. It's another thing to really get to the root of it. And, and sometimes that can take a little bit of time and some determination. But I think it's worth it if we can get to get to the root cause. I think all of that information is so helpful. Thank you so much. You know, I'm glad you brought up the uh, comment about allergies because it's spring and I have certainly noticed a lot of different sounds coming from my singers. And and I will often Uh ask, you know, do you have allergies? And I think a lot of my students may have like mild allergies, but they've just never been Uh like diagnosed. Now, I have a specific question because I had a, an adult come in who has horrible allergies. Is there mm-hmm. contraindications from taking like sinus medication and allergy medication and then singing? Um, most of the, the um, antihistamines that are out there um, have a drying effect. What they, the way that they operate is that they don't necessarily take care of the allergies themselves. They suppress the body's reaction to the allergies. Right. And so most people, you know, when they have allergies, uh, which here in Missouri, the allergies season this year has just been terrible. We had a oh, long no. winter, so um, some things that, that bloom earlier bloomed later, so everything bloomed at the same time. Oh, no. And so, oh, God. so just, people are walking around like zombies. It's, it's really bad. <laughs> but, yeah. um, and so, you know, sometimes you just, you got to take the stuff so you can function. Otherwise, right. you're, you know, your face is all leaky and it's gross and you're just miserable. So. Right. And now for the My Music Staff Minute. Hey, everyone. Natalie here for the My Music Staff Minute with some helpful tips to augment your studio's offerings by offering an online portal. First, an online portal should be a student or parent's first stop for their most frequently asked questions. The answers to those questions will now be conveniently available to them around the clock through the portal. No need to repeat yourself any longer. An online portal is also a great way for your students to engage with your studio outside of their scheduled lesson times. They can bring part of that awesome in-studio experience home with them. Rather than your studio being a weekly affair, an online portal allows students to interact with your studio during their daily practice. The My Music Staff Student Portal provides your students with access to their schedule, studio news, lesson notes, and teaching resources that you provide like sheet music, videos, and audio. To really cut down on your workload, let My Music Staff know your studio policy so the system can automatically handle event registration and cancellation. This enables students to register for open lesson slots and let you know of an upcoming absence without you needing to personally handle it by phone, email, or text messages at all hours of the day. In the event of a cancellation, it will follow your studio's policy. This means it has the potential to automatically adjust billing or track make it credits for you. All of this will add more value to your student's lesson experience and drastically reduce your unpaid administration work. 
Just make sure your portal provides value to your students. This would mean populating your student portal with learning resources. This might mean sharing PDF worksheets, sheet music, audio recordings, or video tutorials. Start small and add material as you go. Over time, this will grow into an extensive library of online resources for your students. Start your 30-day free trial of My Music Staff today at www.mymusicstaff.com. Stay tuned for next week's tips and tricks on the My Music Staff Minute, exclusively on the Full Voice podcast. So antihistamines have a drying effect because they, they just suppress the body's mucus production. You know, they, they don't necessarily stop the allergies from happening and, and your body is still perceiving them. It just it makes them make them uh, makes the reaction less. Um, and so with that, the, the problem is that sometimes that makes the, the mucus a little bit thicker mm. or a little bit drier. And that can be almost like sticking gum um, or even sandpaper sometimes in between your vocal folds. And so just making sure that you're drinking a lot more water, um, you know, just to keep that all that that stuff nice and loose and lubricated and all of that stuff. Um, if you want some more info, there is a really great website that has a database, the oh. National Center for Voice and Speech. It's ncvs.org. And if you type in the search bar RX, it will take you to a database that you can look up all kinds of different drugs, everything from antihistamines to antibiotics to antidepressants, all of that kinds of stuff. And you can it doesn't have every drug, but it does have um, a lot of them and classes of drugs so that you can look up what known vocal side effects are. <gasps> that is a golden tip. Heather, uh-huh. thank you. I... Oh my goodness! I that that comes up a lot in our teaching yes. studios. We we learn that um, uh, I, I forget maybe antidepressants. There's certain antidepressants mm-hmm. that have quite the effect. Thank you for that. Yeah. I am going to put a link to that website on the podcast page. But can you just repeat that for everyone listening to the podcast right now? So what is that website? Uh-huh. It is ncvs.org forward slash rx forward slash rx as in prescription yes wonderful thank you for that i think that's so helpful i think they also have uh, quite a lot of herbs like herbal supplements on yes. that database too great that's a thing. yeah there is there's a lot of people looking for more natural uh, remedies and they could just be uh-huh. they could be causing problems as well so you yeah. have to be mindful about that. Oh, uh-huh. so nice. Now, if somebody is interested in pursuing this field, um, because it is relatively new, there's not a lot of there's not a lot of options. What what would be their first right. steps? What what would you recommend? I think uh, the first step would be if you really want to you know pursue this particular you know niche field, which mm-hmm. it kind of is. Mm-hmm. Um, I think. First of all, you would you would really want to to know if you if you want to tackle it from the music side like I did, or if you want to go from like the speech pathology side. Um, and so both of those are going to be kind of different training paths. Um, you know, for a speech pathology degree, you need to have an undergrad, a master's. Um, to to be able to, to do that. It's a licensed degree. Yes. Um, and so you have to have a license to practice. Um, I believe there probably, there's some, some talk about getting, you know, people like me to have some sort of a certification or a licensure too. So I think that would be wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you are, if you are going 
um, at it from the music side, um, I would really recommend um, you working with your advisors when you're, you know, designing your courses in, in college, you know, just to be sure that you're taking on, um, you know, as many courses in like the speech speech department, language department, you know, communication disorders, whatever it's called at your school, um, so that you really get heavy into the anatomy and the physiology. Mm-hmm. Um, know, you know, the, th- the kinds of things to look for, the kinds of things that can go wrong, mm-hmm. um, you know, because there's, there's a wide variety of things um, that can happen. Humans are very complex. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, and then just, you know, read a lot, um, observe as much as you can. If you're able to be in clinics and watching how that's going, that, that can, that is invaluable. Just being able to watch how it works, Mm. um, and watching scopes and then just keep reading, keep reading. I love it. That's great advice. Now, um, we have a new feature and, Uh uh, we were talking about this and you have a fun and actually, (laughs) Very challenging uh, warm-up. And now the warm-up of the week. So can you share with everybody what you torture your students with? (laughs) Yes, I enjoy torturing my students uh, in multiple ways, but this is one of my favorites. Um, uh, the, the folk song, My Bonnie Lies Over the Ocean, mm-hmm. um, you can do it a couple ways. You, you may have heard, you know, anytime you sing a B word, you stand up or sit down. And that's a great oh, way to like kind of, you know, yeah, it's a great way to get the get the body moving. Although you have to be careful because a lot of times when people stand up, they'll grab in their shoulder area or in their throat so they can like throw their bodies in the air really quickly. <laughs> um, but I love to get their brains involved. And so, um, so we switch uh, the B for any other consonant um like and you can do pairs like uh you know there's voiced and unvoiced pairs of consonants so like Mm -hmm. the unvoiced pair of b is p you're made they're made the same way you just have voice with one and not voice with the other and so we if we replace that with p then we sing my pawnee lies over the ocean and i love the chorus ping pack ping pack (laughs) oh so much fun it is fun and i love you know fun ones like um uh v and uh i love sw so they're singing swing swack <laughs> and swing swack swing swack oh swing swack, uh-huh. swing swack no swing yeah swack, swing swack my swanee to, to me oh my gosh that's hard <laughs> that's it's really hard, hard. But my, my absolute favorite is like q or like the q you know queen quack queen quack oh that's so much fun <laughs> now i want to know do you put the music in front of them or is this all done from memory? It, they, it's usually done from memory. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. Okay, that is and fantastic. A bonus too. It, yeah, it starts off with an a, an ascending major sixth mm. interval too, which is also kind of hard to tune sometimes. Yes. So um, you get a little interval work, you get some brain work, you get some articulation work, and they're having fun, and and they don't realize all that they're learning at the same time. <laughs> I think that is so much fun. Thank you. That's going to be a, I'm as always. I'm going to steal that and take that into my uh, into my studio. Now, there was another thing um, that you mentioned that I wanted to talk about because you have a little conversation with your middle school theory class about the corpus callosum. Colossum. Okay, so yes. you talk to them about the corpus callosum. So let's get yeah. a little a little uh, a neuro uh, nerding out here. Neuro nerdy. Yeah. <laughs> so I love brains. 
Okay. Rings are my favorite. Um, uh, they're, they're so fun. But the corpus callosum, most people know that the left side of your brain controls the right side of your body and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Well, somehow or another, those synapses have to cross and they've got to get to the, the correct side. And that happens at the corpus callosum. And it looks like a C, like the letter C, okay. kind of laid over on its side. So like the the, um, the curved part of the C is, is um, on the top and it's right in the middle of your brain. And that's where those little synapses happen. It's kind of like the highway interchange in your brain. Wow. And, um, because musicians in particular, we use so much of our brains, we are creating more synapses than non-musicians. Mm. And so I've been told, I've never tried it myself, um, but I've been told that if you, you know, like slice somebody's brain open, um, <laughs> uh, they would be able to tell if you're a musician or not because by the size of your corpus callosum. Wow. Um, that um, musicians tend to have uh, corpus callosi that are about 30% larger than non-musicians because we're making so many synapses. And so, um, yeah, the, the Latin, uh, of course it's a Latin term, but it means big body in Latin. Mm. (laughs) So we're trained, we're trained in their big bodies and their brains. Um, And so when we do clapping exercises, you know, with rhythms or whatever, I'll often have them like cross their hands or cross their legs or whatever. So um, it makes their brains work a little harder because uh, then not only is the, the synapses crossing from one side to the other, but then they've got to, you know, do sensory oh. stuff. So, yeah. <laughs> so we're working the brain a little harder by crossing the midline and doing clapping exercises and things. So with the with the uh, crossing over, what I mean, so many teachers now, and and I'm trying to do this, are is we're trying to get more movement into the voice lesson. So do you do any warm ups that do like more movement related things in your in your studio? Oh yeah, um, you know we do a lot of we do just stretching, you know, just to kind of get the bodies in. Because I I do tend to work with more adults, and adults, we we sit at desks a lot, we sit in the car a lot, and just you know all of our upper bodies are all a mess. So you know just being able to get in and, and loosen up, and I I find that that too kind of helps just kind of make a transition from, you know, they were out in the world doing whatever and now they're here and we're going to, you know, and for most, most of my adults too, you know, this is me time. (laughs) This is time that they get to really invest in themselves. And so, you know, just being able to loosen that up. I also find too, that just as a side note, a lot of adults come in with, you know, kind of, I don't know, baggage about their voices a lot of times, you know, and so, yeah, so there's a lot of tension and just emotion that's, you know, kind of pent up in that. And um, more often than not, you know, particularly with a new client, if they're coming in, we'll get ready to sing and you'll just, you'll see them set their bodies. They'll get all rigid all oh, of a sudden, yes. you know, to find the right posture or whatever. And we just got to get that worked out, you know, and just, you know, you're a human being and, and you're a being, you're not a, you're not a doing. Ah. <laughs> you know, so you're just going to, you know, embody your voice a bit. But yes, um. Another one that I've done before that I stole from someone else um, is a, and I, I don't do this with adults all the time. It depends on the adult because they've got to have a really funny attitude. But we'll sing on a an arpeggio. I am a cow, and they'll lift their heads over their their heads like or their hands over their heads like a ballerina and turn around. You know, <laughs> I am a cow, moo, <laughs> and you know, just to be able to kind of. Lift their hands, lift their shoulders, and get their upper bodies loose a little bit. So. Oh, I love that. Again, I might steal that today. I've got a few little ones. To, that We might do a cow exercise. Yeah. <laughs> 
Oh, my goodness. Well, Heather, thank you so much. Such a great conversation. So many teacher takeaways. Now, uh, if people would like more information, your website is uh-huh. com, And Nelson is yes. spent, spelt N-E-L-S-O-N. Um, Correct. And they can, also, they can also find you on Instagram, Dr. Heather Nelson. Um, I'm going mm-hmm. to put all of your contact information on our podcast page and in the show notes. Uh, if people have questions, they can reach out. Is that okay? Absolutely, they can. Um, and um, I would be very, very happy to be a resource for anybody that, that needs it or just, you know, just a pal, <laughs> you know, <laughs> connect with me. Let's be friends. <laughs> I love that. You know, we're so lucky. Um, <laughs> thank you so much for saying that. We're so lucky. My first years of teaching, I was so isolated. I was uh-huh. the only voice. To, and of course, I'm old. So there was no internet. There was no online anything when I first uh-huh. started. I was the only voice teacher. And I had no support. And it was such a struggle. And now we have forums. We have podcasts. Uh-huh. We have all wonderful websites where we can share information. And I'm so glad that you are are inviting people to contact you because uh I'm sure there's lots of listeners who may have some questions or uh, may have students yeah. that, that require some help. And uh, mm-hmm. can I, can I, uh, maybe in a, maybe in a little while, can we have you back? Absolutely. What, what's one of your favorite topics to talk about? What could we talk about next oh, time? Oh, we can talk about lots and lots of things. Um, my, um, my doctoral research is actually in amplitude and how brains decide how loud we're going to sing or speak. <gasps> and um, wow. so, oh man, we could go super nerdy on that one because, you know, like I said, I love brains. and I um, think that would be an interesting conversation. Yeah, and that's practical too because we have to sing in all kinds of spaces and our brains are, are you know, telling us a lot of information that we're not always aware of oh and, um, and, and can affect how we perform. All right, well, I'm... I'm going to set a date for that. That is fascinating work. Well, yeah. <laughs> Heather, thank you so much for your time today, for your passion and all of this great information. I, I'm truly, truly grateful for your time. And, uh, and of course, for your awesome warm-up of the week. Uh, I, I have a feeling <laughs> there's going to be singers of all ages all over our countries singing My Bonnie Lies Over the Ocean, using different letters. Love it. And uh, again, thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. This was so much fun. A very special thank you to Heather for her time and wonderful teacher takeaways today on the podcast. I always learn so much from my guests. Now, you can reach out if you would like to get in touch with Dr. Heather at her um, website, which is www.drheathernelson.com. You can also connect with her on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So on Facebook, she is Heather Nelson Voice. On Twitter, she is at Vocologist. And on Instagram, she is Dr. Heather Nelson. Now, for my members of Voice Teachers for Young Singers, Heather is a part of our group. And I hope that you will uh, reach out and say hello and ask her some questions. As 
always, if you are enjoying this podcast, please take a quick moment to leave a rating and a review on iTunes. This helps us so much to continue to bring you these great conversations. Your time and your comments are so appreciated. I am wishing everyone inspired teaching and happy singing. Thank you for listening to the Full Voice Podcast. For more information and teacher resources, please visit our website at thefullvoice.com. Made by Canoe Music. Canoe Music.ca